Thank you for joining us on IAB There. And now your host, Angelina Ng. Over to you, Angelina. Thank you, John. Um, thank you, everyone. Welcome to our episode today, May 13th. I am Angelina Ang, VP of Measurement and Attribution at the IAB and IAB Tech Lab. Um, uh, IAB There is our daily live stream in which we connect today's digital advertising ecosystem. Our topic today is uh, about the next wave of standard developments from the MRC. Uh, if you have any questions, please do submit them to uh, Twitter, post them using the hashtag IABthere, one word. Um, my special guest today is George Ivey from the MRC. Let's welcome George. Howdy. Hi, George. How's it going? It's going really well. How are you, Angelina? Great. Um, so for those uh, who don't know George, George is the executive director of and CEO of the Media Rating Council, also known as MRC. They are a nonprofit industry organization that was created in 1963. Uh, and his, uh, you've been at the MRC since 2000, correct? Yes. Great. And um, George, uh, he, you know, he currently serves on the ARF's board of directors, is a member of NAB's committees on local television audience measurement and local radio audi audience measurement. And prior to MRC, which uh, I did not know, George, was that you were a partner at Ernst, uh, Ernst & Young, where you served as a lead representative and advisor to the MRC, uh, which then led a team conducting all the MRC audits. So quite interesting how you went from Ernst & Young and uh, went over to the trade. So I uh, would love to hear from you. What is the MRC exactly? And for, uh, especially for those that aren't really familiar with what you what your organization does and well, what's the process and why is it important for for people to know what the MRC does and and what services they provide to our industry? Sure, no problem. And thanks for having me, by the way. Thank you. Uh, so the the MRC is a small not for profit association in the media business. We've been around a little over fifty five years. We were formed at the request of the U.S. Congress, and uh, back. In the late 50s, early 60s, there were weird turns of events in the media business that caught the attention of the US government. Probably the most notable one was a quiz show scandal that happened on television where television outlets were rigging the results of quiz shows to perpetuate contestants on the shows. And they would attract a lot of audience because people wanted to see these folks winning a lot of money. And it came out, uh, it was leaked to the public actually that these shows were rigged, that some of them were rigged. And that caught the attention of the government. The government said, why would somebody do that? And they started getting into these things called ratings. So there was an entire congressional hearing that went on about this. The hearing lasted about six years. So Congress uh, was doing a very thorough job back then of investigating audience measurement. And at the end of that process, they decided that the, there should be some regulation over how audience data is produced. Um, and they, instead of having the government regulate it back then, it, which I think was a wise move, they decided to have the industry self-regulate. So the industry got together and formed the MRC. Back then we were called the Broadcast Rating Council, the BRC. And uh, we've since, 
over these last 50 years branched out and we audit all different types of media, not just broadcast TV and radio. As you know, we do a lot of work in digital and out of home and print and all kinds of media. And basically what we do is we set standards for how organizations measure media. And then we conduct audits. These are very rigorous third party audits done by CPA firms, which is a requirement of the government actually, that uh, look at how these ratings are produced and if they're in compliance with the standards. And when organizations are demonstrated to be in compliance as a result of the audit, we award them what's called MRC accreditation, which is kind of like the industry good housekeeping seal for measurement quality and transparency. And we allow uh, organizations to apply an MRC logo to their research. So it's a very uh, important seal in the business if you buy or sell uh, based on audience measurement or measurement data, you should look for that seal as a base level of quality. A lot of agencies and advertisers and even media companies look for that seal. Um, and the audits, it's important to say, are non-financial. So they, we don't audit contracts and debits and credits and things. We audit the methods that are used to produce the research very thoroughly through the systems. So we audit data collection, sampling, if sampling is used, how things like tagging works, filtration, all kinds of, uh, we audit location data, you know, ad serving, all kinds of uh, aspects of measurement nowadays because uh, this is getting to be very challenging as the digital ecosystem expands and things become digitized. It's uh, MRC has grown from when I first started in 2000, we, we probably had a total of maybe 15 audits. And last year we did well over a hundred audits uh, of products. So uh, for example, like we're auditing Google YouTube and Facebook uh, newsfeed and things like that. So that's long-winded explanation, but that's kind of a little bit about who we are. And uh, I, you know, I, I recently uh, started participating with you guys. And can you talk about the, the, the committees and who those members are and what's the purpose of those committees? Sure. Our, so this is industry self-regulation at a high order. So basically organizations that rely on media measurement. So advertisers, agencies, media sellers that, that basically make their living based on the currency that's established on advertising measurement. Uh, they have a vested interest in those systems being of high quality. So they join, they become members of the MRC. They participate in our regulatory function and on audit committees. So when we go audit a product, we audit Nielsen's National Measurement of Television, let's say. It's a very large, rigorous audit, comes out once a year. We gather together members of ours, there's probably about a hundred of them that get around a table of organizations representing a significant component of let's say Nielsen's revenue. And we review the audit and we look at the compliance of that service with the standards and the audit committee members see the audit reports. They're, they're lengthy documents at times, they're very detailed. You learn things about the service performance that you won't see anywhere else. You don't. You don't, even in service disclosures, they don't tell you how well their meter works or how, how the field work works and how accurate data is collected, what's missing, what's present. So 
our members see all that detail and they then work with the independent staff of the MRC through a voting process to establish accreditation. So you imagine I build a car, a year from now I gather together everybody that bought the car and they get to decide whether that bears a seal of approval. That's a very demanding standard. It's not easy to be accredited. The services that are accredited are typically very, very proud of it because it's very difficult to obtain. Uh, and it's all supported by a CPA independent audit that the service pays for. So it's very rigorous. And we were very excited to have you on the committee, by the way, and have you in, in the MRC. And I'm very excited that you're at IEB, which is a great thing. Well, thank you. I, you know, my, uh, the work that I've, I've done on the agency side, I will say that having that MRC accreditation uh, was really a great foundation for selecting the partners that, uh, uh, that we were working with. It, it gave us a, a sense of safety and security uh, that there was someone that actually was able to confirm the way that they were doing their counts and reporting out uh, certain metrics and dimensions. So uh, definitely uh, whenever there was a, a platform that would come through our doors, asking them if they had MRC accreditation would be the first thing that we asked them. So thank you for that work that you do and that you continue to do. Um, I'd love to talk about what is on the horizon and what has uh, what is the MRC working on and, and what are some of the things that they're, that, uh, that are on your plate. Uh, so if you can talk about some of the, the projects that are uh, in play at the moment. Yeah, and, and uh, I see you have this slide up, which is uh, a slide that we prepared in a highly summarized way to kind of talk about our focus for 2020. Um, we do a lot of things. I just mentioned we, we do over a hundred product audits and we maintenance and administer numerous standards for measurement. But what this slide does is talk a little bit about what's really coming on our radar screen as a key focus in 2020. And there are four things here. One is uh, we've just kicked off. As a matter of fact, last week we had a very large kickoff meeting for an entirely new genre of standards that we're setting called outcome measurement standards. Most people know MRC as setting standards in exposure measurement in media. So you're probably aware we've set impression measurement standards and viewable impression measurement standards of all types and filtration standards for IBT, which most of the world uses now. Um, we set cross-media audience measurement standards and digital audience measurement standards and location standards. So a lot, of, a lot of different things about measuring exposure to advertising. And all of that in a way has been a build to this step where we're, we're jumping off of now qualified exposure measurement, which has been standardized and we're embarking on setting a series of standards on measuring outcomes. So things like sales lift, brand lift, effectiveness of advertising, um, and all the way working to higher order metrics like return on advertising investment. A lot of our members and the industry in general, particularly advertisers have come to us and said, hey, do these, this next genre of standards, they're highly necessary. These standards don't really exist and not in an enforceable, auditable manner. So we're looking at setting up an accreditation process for these outcome measurement vendors to come and have their products validated. 
So this is a very important thing. That's the first box to the left. Well, um, I, I would love to add, you know, having um, been on the client side and at hands-on keyboard, aggregating a lot of the data uh, from various platforms, the biggest challenge was just trying to align all, the, uh, all this data together uh, side by side and compare, you know, one platform's uh, counts versus another and then being able to attribute it. So that, uh, that's fantastic to hear. Uh, yeah, and two, two key processes that are kind of inside of this big set of standards we're embarking on is data quality. So what, how is data quality defined in many different ways? And I'm not just talking about like a data labeling disclosure. I'm talking about in the detail, what is the dynamic nature of the data? How is it gathered? How accurate it is? How is that reported? What are the, what are the methodological disclosures behind that at data providers, which are fueling these outcome measurement standards? And then the other aspect that is another major process within outcome measurement is attribution. So you have multiple you know, attribution models out there. There are no standards for that, how those are administered. So part, a key part of these outcome measurement standards will be setting guidance for data quality for advertisers and agencies in the marketplace to use, and then also the attribution processes that live within them. But that's just sort of one fourth of the picture here. Another thing we're very focused on is the environment of OTT and advanced TV. Um, we're seeing, if you took a spectrum, Angelina, and you put, let's say on the right, you have linear television. Let's call it old style television. That's typically a very, very safe environment. Most people don't understand. Every word of that environment is regulated before a commercial goes on, before content goes on, it's all reviewed before the fact. On the left side of the continuum, opposite of linear television is UGC digital content in large platforms. There, you've got people putting up content. It has to be reviewed on the fly. It's a very unregulated environment. It has certain risks associated with it, risks that might be associated with, with placement of advertising, brand safety, viewability, stuff like that, that you don't see in pure linear television. In the middle of those two opposite ends of the spectrum lives this new thing, OTT advanced TV. It's, it's operating more like a digital environment, um, IP enabled, pixel, highly pixelated environments, but yet it's still seen on the TV glass. So consumers come to that environment with the preconceived notion about safety and control. And what we're trying to do is wrestle the standards. We've already issued documents, audit vendors, and make that environment safe. And I'm not just talking safe from a brand safety standpoint. I'm talking about safe from a measurement standpoint. All these vendors have different measurement standards, metrics, uh, there's no defined taxonomies. And we're working in this area, we're auditing vendors. We've already accredited four vendors for measurement of OTT. A lot of people don't even know that. We've already accredited one vendor for sophisticated invalid traffic filtration in OTT. So there's, there's a lot of work that's been done in this environment and we, continue, we will continue this work. It's a key focus of MRC, that second box. So, it, uh, and under advanced TV, that I'm assuming that includes CTV, right? So, yes. connected devices. And yes, connected devices. 
The third box is brand safety. We wrote a standard last year and issued it on, on content level brand safety. And these standards are specifically focused on large digital platforms and the environments that have user generated content. Not in the old days, we used to try to make decisions about whether we wanted to advertise on a site or a URL. But today it's not good enough to say, do I wanna advertise on YouTube or not? That's not the decision we're trying to make. We're trying to make a decision about, should I place an advertisement on a specific piece of video content in YouTube or in a specific place in a user's feed on Facebook or on a tweet at Twitter or something like that in, in a feed. So this standard, which we issued uh, on September of 2018, boy, time passes fast, but basically um, that's focused on setting the guidelines for those environments and executing brand safety in those environments and what are the requirements. It's highly demanding and we're trying to push on audits there. We're already doing an audit, for example, of YouTube. We're trying to get Facebook to undergo a similar audit and some other large platforms. We're auditing vendors that are administering third-party brand safety. And that's an entire line of business that we're trying to bring forward and, and validate in a, in a significant way. So that's the third focus. So let me ask you about brand safety because that has been a, a very, uh, one, of, one of the main topics here at the IAB, especially on IAB there. Uh, with coronavirus and, and this crisis and uh, advertisers and brands blocking keywords uh, that are related to the crisis. Where do you, where do you what, what's your position or what's your point of view um, uh, between brand safety and brand suitability, right? Because um, we don't think that here at the IAB that uh, articles around coronavirus should be blocked uh, by brands. We're, we're very, we're quite aligned with it. Well, first of all, there are some brands. I, I, I won't say they're typical brands. They're, there are some brands that are super, super sensitive about any form of negativity. I mean, I'm, I'm making it up, but let's say I'm like a Disney theme park or something. I don't, I don't know. I, I, but there, I can imagine that there are some brands that are not typical that are so incredibly sensitive, they may want to block on some kind of keyword that is coronavirus. But in general, we're aligned with IAB on this. And as a matter of fact, we've been working with the industry. We've, we've worked with the forays uh, to set up, to help set up the brand safety floor, the suitability guidance. We've interacted with that team. We integrated it with this brand safety standard. So this, this brand safety standard that I just referenced isn't about keyword blocking. It's about assessing the content details, looking for the offensive material, not just saying blindly, well, I'm, I don't want to advertise on coronavirus because that kind of blind keyword blocking, which is old style, hurts news outlets. I mean, it's different to report news on something or conduct negativity. And you want to protect from being applying an ad to somebody who's conducting negativity versus just reporting on it. So we're aligned with that perspective. We're highly supportive of what, you know, the IAB's perspective there. We're highly supportive of, uh, for example, organizations like DCN that are trying to move that ball um, and the four A's. They've also uh, gone down that avenue by refining their suitability standards and looking specifically at news and differentiating reporting on something from you know the act 
let's say, of, of you know, selling drugs versus reporting on somebody, you know, uh, somebody who was arrested because they were selling drugs or something like that. And so we're, we're very supportive of that. We, like, we, we want to see that move forward and protect the environment of news reporting, which is totally legitimate. Great, thank you. Um, I think you had one more. Yeah, one I had one on more. That. I was on a roll, which is um, we we uh, several years ago wrote a significant industry standard on filtration for invalid traffic, and I mentioned at the outset that most of the world uses this standard. I think it's the only one of its kind in such detail. This is a very detailed document. It talks about general invalid traffic filtration, sophisticated all a lot of the different threat models and, and types of detection. And we use it when we audit vendors that do invalid traffic detection and, and invalid traffic and fraud detection is, is required in just about all digital metrics that are reported. And if you report audience, if you're gonna say, well, this is for an audience characteristic of let's say females, 18 to 34 year olds, well then you better be sure you filter that for robots. If you go so far as to identify characteristics, even if it's like, garden lovers or car buyers or whatever, you should filter that for sophisticated invalid traffic, the highest level of protection because you're delineating demos or other characteristics. But what we've decided to do because that standard is now several years old, the bad guys change and move around. So we need to write a new standard. And all the organizations rely on the standards. So even like TAG, you know, they employ our standard in their certified against fraud program, relying on vendors that are accredited, asking people who participate if they follow this, if they have compliance officers, all kinds of things that tie right back to our standards. So we're rewriting the standard. This standard is almost done. It's about to be issued final in June. It's already gone through public comment. And it, it really raises the bar in a few areas. And I'll just mention it if you want to talk more about them. For example, source traffic, it makes uh, the requirements for disclosure and even filtration much more uh, rigorous. It, it deals with in-app and, and mobile measurement in a much stronger way. And then last, I'll just mention, it codifies a new rate calculation called a decision rate which is essentially how often a vendor is able to make an IVT decision on an impression. A lot of people don't know, they hire a vendor to go test whether their impressions you know, are subject to IVT or not, but not every impression can that vendor even tell whether it's subject to IVT. So sometimes they're unknown. So if I have a million impression campaign and the vendor comes to me and says, well, you have 10% uh, IVT. And I go, okay, that's good. What you don't know is maybe out of that million campaign, they could only test IBT for 700,000. And that 10% is built on the 700,000, not on the million. So you're projecting that 10% to the 300 that you couldn't uh, project it. So we're forcing the disclosure of that decision rate, a derivation of that in this standard, which we believe will help the marketplace understand these vendors better help with reconciliation of impressions between vendors and things like that. So that's another aspect that will be in this new standard. So, so with, you know, given brand safety, viewability, IVT and so forth, um, ma many buyers, marketers there, you know, uh, are transacting uh, 
based on their own calculated billable impression, um, based on you know it, looking at a combination of all these. Do you do you think we'll ever get to uh, to a point where we're agreeing to a certain uh, certain reportable billable uh, transactional impression? And what would that be? Would that you know it, could we combine all of those? You know, the, especially on the impression side. I know that we, you know, we're still some companies are still buying just based on impression, and there's rendered impressions versus requested ad ad, ad requests, right? So, yeah, you, and that's another thing. That's another thing that we've done is we've we've required just for measurement of a base impression, not viewability, just a base impression, that that impression now for display is begin to render. So you don't measure it before it's begun to render in the user's interface. So. Uh, and video has always been that way. We've always measured video uh, impressions based on when there was playhead movement. So there's, uh, e you know, we're equalizing all that. But the question you asked is a very good one. So let me tell you one story. Like when we first set the viewable impression standard, we had, and this was a number of years ago, Angelina. And, and I, I remember don't those days. We were, yeah. we were on, on the ops councils together. And, and people were going, what is this viewability stuff? <laughs> and what, what is one second? What does that mean? That's ridiculous. You know? so, and what we were trying to do is cut out the inventory that had no opportunity to be seen. So forget about whether 1% of the pixels were on the page or 50%. We were talking about no percent of the pixels were on the page for no time. Those are clearly wasted inventory. So we in one fell swoop set this standard, which was trying to take all that stuff out. And it was a large percentage of digital inventory back then, notable. And the industry felt pain because of that. Well, there were vendors that emerged that said they could measure viewability. At one point, we had somewhere around 30 viewability vendors that submitted for accreditation, 30. We had estimated worldwide there were about 50, 30 of them submitted for accreditation. A lot of those vendors never got it. I think there were around 15 that eventually got accreditation. 15 of those vendors don't even exist today. What's been going on is that those vendors have been shrinking, the number of those vendors. And the reason why they've been shrinking is just because of what you said. Consumers, and, and by here I'm talking about advertisers and agencies, the consumers of the measurement research, they've been demanding more full service solutions. They've been saying to those guys, well, I don't want to go out and hire vendor X for viewability, vendor Y for IVT, vendor Z for brand safety, vendor you know, uh, L for brand safety on YouTube because they, they're not letting anybody in. We don't want to hire another vendor for brand safety on, on Facebook and another vendor for brand safety or for viewability on Facebook or whatever. So the vendors that have been able to change and become full service solutions with all of these ad waste initiatives, you know, combating ad waste, non-viewable, fraudulent impressions, out of demo impressions, out of location impressions, et cetera, they've been the survivors. Now, what may never happen, and it's not really up to MRC to do, is that the industry says, well, a, a standard impression will be you know, X amount of pic, 100% of pixels on screen for at least five seconds, filtered for SIVT, and in this meeting the suitability floor of the forays and et cetera. So like 
you know, I'm not sure that you're going to get every advertiser to agree on every one of those parameters because they just have totally different risk perspectives, different aggressivenesses. So if that's a word, aggressivenesses, it's probably not. Uh, but so the, the bottom line is what we've done is we facilitate things with a minimum standard. We were hoping people would adopt that. And then there are some vendors that have said, well, we want something more demanding than MRC's minimum. And we don't stop that. We still actually can even accredit that. But what that's created is a complex environment, you know, for the media sellers. And, you know, I think what's happening is this stuff is getting straightened out over time as, you know, the, as things mature, people are seeing all the different kinds of waste initiatives and what minimums they need. They're combining them. And, and you are seeing base impression definitions expand and include all that. Long-winded answer, but <laughs> great question. No, well, it, I, you know, I, it's always been something that uh, I know, uh, especially in some of the conferences and events that we've been to, uh, you know, the topic of conversation uh, with everyone. Um, um, we do have two minutes left, and I do have one more question for you. Please. And that is, uh, this is this is a question that we ask all our guests. And so, what are you doing uh, individually to, to to stay optimistic and connected during uh, this time period that we're having? Well, I mean, I'm I'm with my family, which is the greatest thing for me. I've been spending more time with my family than ever before, which is you know my wife and we live with uh, my wife's mother, who's 87. So we're being very careful to protect her from any of this virus impact when we leave the house and things hardly, we're staying at home mostly. And we also have three dogs. So we're hanging out, uh, doing a lot of reading, catching up on things. Uh, I think we've cleaned the house three times. So, uh, you know, just we're optimistic at the Ivy household. We think uh, this is a terrible disease and uh, we wanna get it under control and get it behind us, develop vaccines, testing, and get back to whatever normal ends up being, which is probably a mix of what we're experiencing today and what we used to have. So, uh, but I can tell you that we have a high degree of optimism here. We believe in America, we believe in the world and we think we're gonna solve this problem. Yep, That's, I, I'm hoping the same thing. Well, thank you again, George. Um, thank you, Angelina. Really appreciate it. And I'd love to have you as a guest again in the future. So we'll work something out. Um, no problem. We'll see if anybody likes this one. This was pretty deep into measurement. <laughs> this is always, All right. Always love a conversation with you. All right. Thanks. Um, well, thank you everyone uh, for joining. I uh, hope you found that uh, enjoyable. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, you know, and, and we, uh, sorry that we didn't get to answer Q and A's. Uh, it obviously was a, a very interesting conversation. What we'll try and do and, and follow up uh, with George uh, to, to get your questions answered. On tomorrow's IAB There, we are really excited to welcome Jesse Horowitz, uh, co-founder and CEO of Hubble Contacts, where he will discuss key strategies of how to bring a brand to life. Um, the IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, uh, Joe On, John Ward, Twafika Mohenadin, uh, I'm Angelina Ang. Thank you for watching. Come back tomorrow because it's 2 p.m. Eastern on a weekday. You know it's time to IAB there.